Go to Hebrews 11, starting with verses 23, and just be ready to flip to Exodus 2 pretty quick. Here's the question. If you're a journaler or you just need to understand where we're going to be at today because your mind wanders, here's the question of the moment. How do you see that God is with you today? And now this is very important that you see these things. We don't have to fully understand how God is working. It's impossible to fully grasp the magnitude of where God's hand is and how he's working. But us understanding that God is real, that God is good, and God is active in our individual lives, let alone biblically, globally, is essential because as we see God work That assures us that he's real. It assures us that he's good. It assures us that it's with us. It leads us to worship. You guys being here today, when you see from that bird's eye view, when you see that God is active in my individual life, it drives you to something which propels your marriage, your mind, decisions, godliness, your family, your kids, your everyday. So how do you see that God is with you today. Could you answer that for me? If I sat you down over a cup of coffee and just asked you that, would you be able to communicate to me how God is active in your life and how you see him? Look at Hebrews 11. We read a verse or two of this two weeks ago. We're gonna start off here this morning. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months. You remember the the story of the birth of Moses? That's what it's referencing. When he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's commands. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That's a sermon right there. It's beautiful esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the greater reward. Now go ahead and go to Exodus 2. How do you see that God is with you today? Now, we missed last week, and man, I hate missing. I love this space so much. I am giddy and excited. Like This is the first time I have done this. I do not like being away from church. And I understand that because we missed last week and because we have busy lives and we have slept, here's a quick overview if you've lost track since we started Exodus. Now remember, the first word in the early interpretations of Exodus 1 is the word and, because Exodus is a continuation of Genesis. How did the people of God, how did the people of Israel end up in Egypt in the first place? Very simple, out of necessity in the famine and because of family being Joseph. So you remember Joseph's brothers, they kicked their son, their brother to the curb. They sold him into slavery, left him in a hole because they were jealous of him. So the people of God, the people of Israel ended up in Egypt in the first place. Pharaoh is the villain, but sin led them there. You remember? So Genesis is very much directly connected to Exodus. It's literally a continuation, Exodus being Genesis. 
Then we see it also with the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. God promised Abraham a great nation. Now what Abraham didn't fully understand is that God was going to grow that in the soil of slavery. So we see that there's a direct connection between Exodus and Joseph and Abraham, and even back to the garden in Exodus 1 through 4. We see that Moses is born. Moses is our hero. He's God's instrument. So God has great plans. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. God has great plans for Moses. And we see that two weeks ago when we started in Exodus 2. And we see that the birth of Moses, this phenomenal story, is a huge picture of God's goodness and his sovereignty and his provisions. And this is where we ended last week. And then we're going to pray for our time together. Look at Exodus 2, verse 8 through 10. This is where we ended. I want your mind back to speed to where we are in this story. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go, and the maiden went and called the child's mother. And then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So what we see is Moses' mother now is gonna get paid to be Moses' mother. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So he called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray for our time together this morning. God, we thank you for today. As I said, we have missed your church. Just one Sunday, just a moment in time where we have not around God's people is felt I thank you for your church. I need your church. Your church is essential. Lord, I pray for the people in this room. They feel that. They see that. I pray they leave this morning closer to you, filled by your word, but just encouraged by the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the gift of the church. Lord, as we continue to dig deeper into Exodus, God's word, In this Old Testament story, I pray that we see your goodness and we see your closeness, not just in the life of Moses, but also the life of each one that that is called his. In your precious and holy name, the church says in harmony, amen. Amen. Look at Exodus 2. Look at Exodus 2. Let's continue in verses 11 through 15. So Moses is older, he's away from his mother, he is under the Pharaoh's care, he is in the palace, okay? Now it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, most people believe around 40 years of age, that he went out to his brothers and looked at their burden. So understand the moment, he comes out, he is not a slave, he has been blessed, he is under the Pharaoh's care, he is in the kingdom, he comes out and he sees all of his brothers under the burden of slavery. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers. So he looked this way, And then he looked that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So Chad Edwards and I were talking about this this week. Things got real, and things got real quick. So we see that Moses is born, and you blink your eyes, and and now he's killing somebody and throwing them in a ditch. says, verse 13, And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? And they said to him, who made you prince and judge over us? 
Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known in which I have done. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down there at the well. Now remember week one, what we talked about. How Joseph's brothers in their sin, them doing away with Joseph, really led to the book of Exodus. And one thing that we talked about in week one, how it applies to our life and what we see biblically here is actions have consequences. God loves and God forgives and God restores, but there are consequences to sin. We see this in biblical characters, and I've seen this in my life and yours. When we sin against God, God blesses and still uses and restores, but there is sin and there are consequences to it. The justified hero is no different than the obvious villain of the story. I want you to see that. So this is what I want you to see in uh, Moses' sin and his murder and his violence of the Egyptian. Most people read that story and they'll say, hey, listen, uh, Moses is still the hero in my eyes. Moses is not the villain. He's justified. Highlight that word in your mind. Moses is justified in his actions. Not only is Moses justified, I think he's done it with clear conscience. He's the William Wallace. He's the brave heart of this story. I kind of rooted for him to kill the Egyptian. I think that he should kill even more. But listen, even though Moses is very different than Joseph's brothers, man's conscience and justification does not determine good and evil in the eyes of God. See it. We look at Joseph's brothers and what they did to Joseph so differently than what Moses did to the Egyptian. And at the time of justification and clear conscience, that will often blind us to repentance. Moses murdered and violence is not the way of the cross. At 40 years old, most people believe at this time Moses is around 40, give or take. At 40 years old, what we see in Moses' life is he took matters in his own hands. And just like the sin of Joseph's brothers, we have a new snowball. We have a new exodus coming. But this is the danger that I need you to see. Moses' good guy status, Moses' justification status, his clear conscience status is his biggest danger and harm. As we see Moses still as the hero, man's justification often excuses our sin and it blinds us to repentance and often sends us into the desert. What we see in Exodus 2 and what starts to happen here, church, is Moses is about to go into his own Exodus. Moses is about to go into his own hiding. Moses is about to go into his own struggle, all driven in good conscience, all driven in justification, all driven in rationalization. We see this today in so many different ways. A man comes to me and says, Hunter, um, I have lied on my taxes. I don't report accurately, and I sleep just fine. Why? Because our government is wicked, and they don't need any more of my money. So I know that I am lying. I know that I am cheating, and I am just fine with it because I'm the Robin Hood of this scenario, right? There is no repentance. There's no forgiveness. I'm still the good guy. So it blinds us to the need of forgiveness. A woman divorces her husband and says, hey, listen, my husband was a dog. 
My husband did not treat me right. You know that individual who always says, I married up? Not me. I married down. He was never kind to me. He never treated me right. As I grew closer to the Lord, he drew away from the Lord. He wasn't a good father. He was lazy, wasn't kind. And what do we all say? About time. That woman does not ask for repentance. That woman does it with a clear conscience and justification. Why? Because he deserved it. I cheated on her. Why? Because he cheated on me. And in doing so, there is no altar call. There are no tears in my face because I'm justified. Justified sin. Justified sin often blinds us and does not lead us to repentance. Moses, the hero, faces the same God as Joseph's brothers, the villain. Think about your own life. Self-reflect. Do you know when I come to the altar and when I cry out to the Lord and I feel the heaviness of conviction, it's when I know I'm wrong. But man, when I sin and in my heart it's justified, I sleep fine. When someone says something to me ugly, someone does something ugly to my child, I got no problem sinning against you. Why? Because it's justified. Parents, I know my my daddy's in this room. What do we tell our sons? When someone messes with you, what do you do? Hey, one more time, this is all you got to do, and I'm going to tell you how to quit this problem, right? Give them one right there. I'm not going to be mad at you. They can send you home if they want to. You're not grounded in the Jones home. You got to take care of yourself. And then your small child goes, well, hey, listen, like, is that what Jesus would do? You're like, hey, listen, you're not Jesus, right? You got to sleep fine. But listen to me. The justified and the unjustified faces the same God. Moses, Moses is about to go into 40 years of struggle in the midst of justification. He's about to go to 40 years of struggle led by a clear conscience, very different than Joseph's brother's The same still struggle of sin. Do you see that in your life? If I asked any of you guys, starting from Brent all the way back to me, and I said, hey, what's the sin that lingers on you? Do you know what most people would tell me? Sin that they don't feel justified about. How many of you go, hey, I have sinned against God. I have done things that are not biblical, but I haven't really faced the Lord about them because I feel okay about them. How many of you have sins in your life that are justified and unrepentant of? Continuing the story here, Moses is in Midian. He's in his own exodus. God's preparing, though. Look at verse 16 through 22. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and they drew water and they filled the troughs with water in their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. Keep going in 20. So he said to the daughters, where is he? And why is that that you have left this man? Call him that he may eat the bread. It's like a good father. He goes, hey, listen, a good man is hard to find. Like, why'd you leave him? Bring him home and marry him, right? 
then Moses was content. Moses was content to live with the man. And he gave Zechariah his daughter to Moses, and she bore him a son, and he called his name Jershom. And he said, I have been a stranger in this foreign land. I love this story because just like Moses' birth, we just see God's fingerprint on every inch of Moses' life. And this is where I want you to reflect and think about yours. As you and I read this in 2022, we read this and it's almost comical how powerful God in his life, but I, but I wonder if Moses always saw it. Moses is the hero. Moses is the instrument. So many plans God has for Moses in his life. But understand this, before Israel could leave Egypt, Moses had to leave Egypt himself. Timeline. Moses, 40 years of life, in the kingdom, learning to be something, right? It said that he had every resource, every benefit, every sense of education and riches around him. 40 years of Moses' life, learning to be something, then 40 years of life realizing that he was nothing in the wilderness, and then 40 years of life seeing that God is everything. And Moses needed every inch of that. God did not abandon, did not give up on Moses. God stayed with Moses. He took sin, wisdom, and he used both to grow and to prepare him. One thing that I keep seeing about Moses and God's sovereignty and his hand on his life Weeks from now, we're going to read in another chapter with the Ten Commandments. One day, Moses will hold and carry commandments that he himself broke. Do you see it? Moses will one day, he will preach and he will teach and he will speak passionately about issues that he himself had. He will look at us and say, you shall not murder. And they'll go, hey, brother, you have done those things. Do you see that in your life? Just like we see God's hands in his birth, we see it in his life. We see it in ours. In our lives, God has used the good, the bad, the pretty, and the ugly to still prepare and to mold us for his glory and our good. For so many of us, I'm convinced, hang on it. For so many of us, I am convinced that we are not prepared for what God has in store for us. So God lovingly and graciously will send us into the wilderness so that one day we can deliver people out of it. God had phenomenal things in store for Moses, but as we see in his life and his actions, Moses was not ready for it. So God took Moses on a journey so that one day he would be. What do we see in our hero while in the wilderness? He grows, he matures. He learns from his mistakes. Moses addresses the same type of mistreatment that we saw earlier where he killed the Egyptian and now he addresses the same issue but differently. God's preparation, his fingerprints on Moses' life. God had great plans for Moses. And all of the Pharaoh's efforts and all of the laws and the bounty that was on his head could not change or alter God's plans, but neither could the hero's mistakes. I want you to look at that. We talked about that last week. All of the I's that were dotted and the T's that were crossed, all that the Pharaoh attempted to do to alter God's plan was 
ridiculous and foolish, but neither could the hero in his mistakes. God was going to fulfill his plan no matter the hero nor the villain. God took Moses' fall and still used it for his glory and still used it for Moses' good. Moses would one day take countless people into the wilderness, into struggle, into the desert, and he would do it faithfully and he would do it well. Why? Because he had faced those deserts himself. Think about Abraham. Abraham would do one of the craziest things that we have ever seen before. I used to read this as a young man and go, I don't see how God is using this when he took Isaac up the mountain and lifted that knife above his head. Like, how could anybody do those things? Like, how could you be faithful in that moment? But if you rewind, God had already used Abraham in the midst of his unfaithfulness when he left the land that he had called him to, when he went to Egypt, when he lied to the people, when he sent his his Sarah, when he sent his wife into prostitution under that time. He had seen the effects of sin and being unfaithful and what it meant to be far from God. And so when God later in life called him up that mountain, he had learned from those mistakes. God had prepared him. We see David as we read on Wednesday night Psalms. David is a faithful man. David is a godly man, but there have been times where he wasn't always. We see that one of his sons were taken from him. Do you remember that story? Brent and I were talking about that just this morning, and that's why he read that scripture to you. We see in David's life where he sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba's looking nice, and he's attracted to her. And what does he do? He sleeps with her. He commits adultery. He cheats. He lies, and then when he sees the husband and she becomes pregnant, he has to clean up the mess, so he kills the man. And so he loses a son. We know this. Scripture says that David lost a son because of sin and his life. He repents. He follows God. He is obedient. He goes through the struggle of not being faithful, and God uses that mess. God uses that soil to still fulfill his promise and his love in David's life later in life. We see this in Peter Peter preaches to the death because he has seen what unfaithfulness does to you when he deserted and denied Christ early in the ministry. God uses unfaithfulness. God uses sin. God uses mess in the midst of obedience and repentance to still fulfill his glory. Where have you seen God not abandon you? Where have you seen God not abandon you? When we look at Moses, when we look at Abraham, when we look at David, when we look at Peter, every character in the Bible God should have given up on and God did not abandon. God stayed close and still fulfilled everything that he said that he was going to. God stayed loved and used. Do you see it in your life? Celia, put that initial question up on the the board. Where? How do you see that God is with you today? Just think about this for a minute. I think back at Moses. Slow down for a minute. You and I read this story in in Exodus 2. We go, man, it's so obvious. Just look at his fingerprints. Just look at what God is doing, how he's growing, how he's molding. As Brent said, he is the potter, we are the clay. It is so clear, but I wonder if Moses saw it. I wonder if Moses recognized what God was doing in the midst of his wisdom and obedience, but also his sin and unfaithfulness. 
Do you see God close to you? Do you see how God's not abandoned, how God is prepared and blessed? We also see in Exodus 2 that God forgave. Just like Joseph's brothers, sin brought Moses to Medan. Murder and violence, that's why he was there. And in this new place that he really had no business being, God gave him new life. God gave him forgiveness. God gave Moses a wife. God gave Moses a son. God gave Moses a godly example. Ruel, his, his father-in-law, the Hebrew word for Ruel literally means a friend of God. So this man who's a priest, God takes Moses in all of the mess and all of the sin. He should give up on Moses. He should scratch it and go to a new hero, a new instrument. But what does he do? He shelters Moses still with everything Moses needs. You know, I love the story of, of David and Bathsheba and their children and their life and their ministry. As I was saying, I was talking to, to Brent about this. David loses a son and he knows that his adultery his cheating, his, his murder, his violence, his evilness has led to this, right? But what do you also see God do in David's life? He has more children. Do you know who David's son is? One of his sons, his son is Solomon. One of my favorite characters in all the Bible. Do you know who Solomon is? It's the writer of Ecclesiastes. Outside of Christ, he is the wisest and richest man to ever walk the earth. Do you know who Solomon's mom is? It's also Bathsheba. So we have a moment where God looks at this and says, hey, David, your soil is so wicked. Your soil is so nasty. Your soil is sinful. But in repentance and in faithfulness and in those he calls his, God still works. God still forgives. God still loves and God does not abandon. God's fingerprints are very much still alive in our life. But as I asked, I wonder if Moses saw it. As we saw, Ruel, his name literally means a friend of God. That's God's power in Moses' life for preparation. But do you know what his son's name means in the Hebrew, Gershom? It literally means an alien to be driven out or expelled. And I wonder, this is just speculation, it doesn't say, I wonder if Moses named his son Gershom because that's what was in his heart. He felt like an alien. He felt like he had done so badly that he would never be used again, that he was exiled, that he had no place, that he was without a home. I wonder if Moses saw God's fingerprints as clearly as we see God's fingerprints. You see this? Like, I wonder if that was Moses' heart. I wonder if Moses said, man, God is not here. God is not active. God is not good. I have sinned against him. I'm in hiding. It is over. And you and I read this and go, man, God is everywhere in this man's life, even in the mess. How do you see that God is with you today? All of your demons and all of your struggles and, and all of your skeletons that you have in your closet, all the ways that you have, you are not worthy to be on this stage. You're not worthy to be in this building. You're not worthy to be carrying this book. Who are you to tell your kids how to live? And God still uses that. God still uses that clay, that soil. 
He still forgives, he still uses, he still molds, he still blesses. He does not abandon those he calls his. Look at 23 to 25. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out and their cry came up to God because of their bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. I want you to remember that. We got a a glimpse of Moses' life for that 40 years where he was out in his own exodus. He was out in his own struggle. Verses 23 through 25 is a 40-year time period of the people of God still being in slavery. So you have 40 years of slavery, 40 years of preparation in the midst of all of it, God's plan. God uses the broken and the sinful. God forgives and gives new life. The villain nor the hero can alter God's plan and God does not abandon. I wanna read that to you again. Sitting here 2022, the fingerprints are so obvious, but I want you to see them. Think about your own life, I beg you. God uses the broken and the sinful today just like he did then. David is not worthy. Abraham is unfaithful. The people of this Bible, most of them are not spiritual heroes that you would want your sons and daughters to be. But God still uses for his glory, still for our good. He sent Moses into his own exodus so that one day he would be prepared to deliver people out of their own. Do you see that in your life? Have you guys gone through anything and God was just preparing and molding and growing you to do great things? Because you weren't ready beforehand. And instead of scrapping the sheet of paper and throwing it in the garbage and moving on to another, he took time with you. He sent you into the desert. Any of you guys been into the desert? He sent you into the desert so one day you can deliver people out of theirs. God uses the broken and the sinful God forgives and gives new life. For some of you, your soil is really nasty. It's dirty. You don't want to admit it. You don't want anybody to know it. And God still grows beautiful things in nasty soil. That's forgiveness. That's grace. That's mercy. That's Jesus. Villains nor the hero can alter God's plan. Remember how we started today's message and justified sin will blind us to repentance. Have you repented of all sin in your life? Even the sin that you feel is justified, even the sin that you feel is okay or you do with clear conscience, it will still lead you into the wilderness and harm and danger. That was Moses' issue. And the God does not abandon If you are saved today, God is with you. He is working still for his glory and your good. Do you see it? Do you see it? How do you see, before we pray, how do you see that God is with you today? For some of you in this room, before I call my praise team up, the reality is, is you are not saved. And God is working in your life in calling you to salvation. So there are certain things that happen when you are saved and God's working in your life. And there are certain things that are happening in the lost man as he calls you to salvation. 
So for some of us, I, I sat with a man just recently inside this church and I asked him a question because he felt God pulling him. That's how he verbalized it to me. And I asked him three things. I said, sir, um, because he was a stranger here, we didn't know him. Came off the street, literally. I said, sir, are you lost? You don't know Jesus. Are you saved and struggling? Or do you not know? And he said, Dore, I am lost. I am not saved. I don't know Jesus. And he says, I cannot sleep. God is working in my life, pulling me to forgiveness. Is that you today? Do you see God's grace in Moses? Do you see new life in Moses? Do you see an invitation in Moses? Is that God showing you his son in the life of Moses? If so, I pray, you, you pray, God save me. Take my life as I give it up. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray for the salvation of all people in this room. Lord, I pray if anyone is lost here, that they come to know you, that they see your goodness in Moses. Everything points to Christ. Everything points to salvation. Everything points to your goodness. What we see in Moses is the Christian life. We see sin and we see unworthiness and we see someone who is, who is not worthy to be called yours, but we see that you do not abandon. We see that you do not give up on. That's the life that I want. That's the life that I have. That's the life that I desire for the people of this church. Lord, I pray that if someone does not know you here today, that changes in this moment. I pray that you step forward and show your goodness to them. If someone here is standing and living in quote unquote justified sin, they are doing things in their life or they have done things in their life that they feel that are justified and it's actually become burden. It's actually driven them to the wilderness. They're in a desert as the hero. Lord, I pray that you show them your sin. You show them their sin. Lord, I pray for repentance. I pray that they seek mercy and grace, that they are prepared, that they use, that you mold them for greater things. In your precious and holy name, the church says, amen.